Yo, 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 I am your host, Rebecca, with First Steps to Sanity, and I will be here each week to give you the foundations, strategies, and witchy ways to help you gain confidence, manage your anxiety, and break the stigma by opening the conversation of mental health. So let's dive right into this week's episode. Hey guys and gals, this week we have the awesome Lindsay from Miss Heard Media. So I'm going to go ahead and let this episode play. And let me tell you, this is like the most amazing one to sit around for, guys. You need to listen to this. It is perfect. Okay, so can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Hi. So first of all, thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. Very excited. Um, <laughs> my name is Lindsay. I'm the owner and founder of Misheard Media, which is a company that produces media and events to help young women find their voice and unleash their power. Hell yes. <laughs> Hell yes. So do you typically work with, um, like what's the kind of age range that you you go for? So typically I work with, that kind of depends. Um, so in person, um, I tend to work with girls that are between 11 and about 15. Um, still that age when your parents are like, I signed you up for this thing and we're gonna go. Um, online, the young women I reach online tend to be um, maybe 14 through about 19, so. That is great. That is like the perfect spectrum to get them, get them while they're young and be like, you are amazing. I love it. Exactly. Thank you. So <laughs> how did you come to be this person who has such a passion for helping younger women? Um, this was not like the intended path. Oh my God, I was gonna make an appearance in the background. Um, <laughs> this was not I ever like, say hi. <laughs> um, this is not at all like what I thought I would be doing in my life. I actually went to school for history. Um, I have a master's in American history, which focused on race and gender. Um, so that's great. I'm angry all the time. Um, but I, when I was in college, I worked in this program called the Young Women Leaders Program. And it was there that I really discovered how much I loved working with young women. And it didn't like surprise me. I just signed up because I thought the program was cool and I could like make new friends. Um, I did not expect it to be something that was so profoundly life-changing. So that was kind of the impetus that sparked my love of working with young women. Wow. That's awesome. I love that they had that. It was great. amazing. <laughs> so do you feel that that was the big thing that attributed to your, your current path? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I had a lot of baggage. <laughs> um, as a teenager, I had a lot of like girl hate and that program really helped me confront my own like internalized bullshit, excuse me, head on. Um, and realized that the things that I, I told myself just weren't true. And that was really what changed things for me. Um, and, and it changed things. I didn't necessarily think like, oh, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I thought like, this is great. And one day when I'm established in my career or like I'm retired or whatever, I'm gonna come back to this experience. Like it wasn't, I didn't plan to start this business. Um, this just kind of happened um, because of like the set of circumstances I found myself in when I graduated. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a journey, it's been a journey. Yeah. 
I love how you like took your internalized and your situation and you turned it into this great, beautiful thing that you're just being a boss at. Like, let's be honest. Like that's (laughs) so many people stay in their, their victim state. And you were just like, no, that's not my story. And just busted through the door and like created something amazing. So I hope you give yourself a lot of credit for that. Cause that's really cool. <laughs> Depends on the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel you. I had a lot of girl hate too growing up. I think it's like, like just society teaches us that like we're constantly in competition with each other and that's just not the case. Right. And that there can only be one. So like I was really big. I still am like really big in this like heavy metal community, which is very macho and very dude-y. And coming up, I was like like one girl hanging out in the heavy metal community, which is like ridiculous, right? Like, but I believe that so thoroughly, even though like I did competitive martial arts, which is also really duty. And there were tons of girls that I was friends with and that I competed against. And like, I was in school and I had other girlfriends. And so like, I don't know why I clung to that belief like so fervently, but I was really kind of caught up in this idea that there was only room for one like girl or woman. Like that was it. Like if anyone else came in, like I, had to be the best liked. I had to be everyone's friend. Everyone had to like me and like no one could like anyone else as much as they liked me. And like, my God, that is exhausting and that is unattainable and that is completely untrue. That is like speaking to me so much right now. That's exactly <laughs> what I did in high school. And I was in, yeah. the, I was in the goth kid crowd. <laughs> See, so you know, there's these music yeah. communities and we're like, there's only room for one. Like, yeah. Okay. And then the girl would come in the group and like, who is she? You're not as like hardcore. Like you're not as good as me. Like you don't like what I like. Like only I am clearly the only girl in the whole entire world that likes like (laughs) Cecily. It's crazy what we did as kids, man. (laughs) It's awful. And there was like a day I remember this event, and I know this is like a little off topic, but nothing. um, Yeah, I want to, like, there was this profound event where I was going with my boyfriend at the time. We were going to go meet up with um, our friend Gus and his new girlfriend. And I was, like, sitting in the car, and I'm like, damn, what if she's, like, really cool? Like, I'm going to act like I'm going to like her. Like, I'm going to be so open. Like, I'm going to talk to her. Like, like, we're the same, like, she and I. (laughs) And he was like, okay like you're being weird (laughs) and I did and she was great and I really liked her and I was like I can't believe like for so long I've allowed these stereotypes and this like internalized misogyny to like stop me from having all of these friends and I went back like that night online and there were like all of these girls and girls that I had blown off or girls that other like other boys have like encouraged like fights between us because like Ooh, it's a cat fight like mm. and I reached out to- <laughs> thanks like thanks guys thanks for thanks for that um so I reached out to like all these girls and was like hey like I was a total jerk and like maybe we can be friends and if not that's cool like I just want to reach out and one of those people like to this day is still one of my closest friends and we hated each other for no reason like no reason 
And to this day, she's like one of my best friends. So, <laughs> man, yeah, I had a best friend in high school that actually started with me hating her. All because she said, oh, you're cold. Maybe you should wear a scarf. And I'm like, that bitch. <laughs> Hated her guts. And then she came up one day and she was like a super preppy girl. And I was like the gothic kid. And she's like, hey, so um, do you listen to this band? And it was like best friends forever. She actually introduced me to my fiance. Yeah. I'm like, dang, I judged you just because you said like you should wear a scarf. Like, it's so crazy. Girl, it, it, it's so silly. And like everyone else like in these specific like rivalries like so many people fed into it instead of being like Lindsay you're being ridiculous <laughs> you would think like, at least guys would be like, why do you hate girls like don't you guys talk about like periods and stuff <laughs> <laughs> they don't, don't. Like, don't you just, just like, sit around and like talk about menstruation and like shoes like yeah like, i don't want to talk about that with you so go find a girlfriend like <laughs> <laughs> Ah, they're crazy, man. I feel like they did kind of, like, play into it. They were like, hey, if I can get these two girls to fight over me, I'll be, like, ten times cooler. And they're just like, let's go. It wasn't even, like, fighting, like, oh, let's fight over, like, this boy to, like, see who likes us. It was like, there can only be one. <laughs> it was crazy. It was, uh, so I'm glad I grew out of that. And then I was like, I'm going to befriend every single woman that's, like, better than me, smarter than me, funnier than me, like more talented than me. And that has worked out great, actually. <laughs> yeah, because then you can, like, what do they say? Your top five closest friends? Well, if your top five closest friends are like these amazing powerhouses, you're an amazing powerhouse, like plain and right. simple. It works out. Like there's no way you can be in that vibe and that energy and not be like, all right, time to become one. <laughs> Yeah, like, it has really been a thing that has, like, served me well, and just, and it comes up, too, sometimes, where I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, wait, why are we thinking this? Like, that is silly, and, like, maybe she does suck. I don't know, but you have to, like, at least give her the chance to not suck. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, you can always change your mind later. Like, you always have that option, so. Can always change. Can always feel like, oh, actually, this person is not nice or like not cool or not whatever. But yeah. at least you have to give people a chance first. Heck yeah, I love how this turned into like girl hate back in like teenage years. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's nobody ever talks about that anymore. <sighs> All right. So what was it? And it was so real. Like, yeah, seriously, it really was. What was your first memory of having anxiety? Um, I don't know that there's like a singular memory, but I remember being like very perfectionist. Like everything had to be like just so. And from a very young age, I was like, I don't, I don't even know where this came from. But like, I had to get straight A's. Like, I had to get, I had to be on honor roll. I had to, like, whatever. Like, I just had whatever I was doing. I had to be really, really good at it. Period. Um. And in some ways, like, it, and this is the thing with anxiety, especially, like, in girls, because we tend to be so, like, people-pleasy and high-achieving, like, nobody noticed, nobody noticed I, like, took all these AP classes and was, like, staying up super late, trying to finish all the homework and, like, make it just perfect and, like, had to get good grade, like, nobody noticed. So I don't, I don't think there's, like, one memory. I think it was just the thing that I thought was normal. For a long time 
Do you recall maybe like a depression or a PTSD first memory that you might have had? Um, it's kind of the same thing. Like there's no one like memory. There's just like a lot of little things that only make sense in hindsight. Yeah. It only makes sense like now being like, well, this is depression. Like this is what it is. This is anxiety. Like these are the symptoms. And it's only like in looking back that I can see it. Like when it was happening, I was like, Oh, it's no big deal. Like, like this is this, normal. This is normal. Like all people like sleep or whatever. Or my other theory is that I was just so busy that I didn't like have time to pay attention to those things. So I did AP classes. I did competitive martial arts. I would go to the martial arts studio like six days a week and work out like two to four hours a day. So like I just didn't have time. Like, yeah. Honestly to like have those thoughts. <laughs> you didn't have a second to slow down and be like, is this normal? Mm. Yeah, no, no, I really didn't. Do you, um, when did you really start to notice this evolution of your mental health into the present now to where you could be like, okay, this is a problem, this isn't normal, I need to do this, this, and this to get help? So, Definitely grad school, which is like really late. Like I don't think I was, I wasn't like formally diagnosed until my mid or late 20s. It's been a couple of years now. Um, but graduate school was when I noticed I was like getting really weird. <laughs> and part of that is just the nature of grad school. But like I would, because you're so singularly focused on this one task. And so for me, it was like my master's thesis. Like, that was it. I dreamt about it. It was horrible. It was like not sleeping at all. <laughs> I would dream about writing it and researching and I would work on it all the time. And then I would like go out in public and like people would talk to me and I just like freeze. It's like, I don't know what to talk about. Like, I only have this one thing. Like, it's not like I didn't have interests. I just like had it. It's like, I have nothing to say to anybody. Like, I would just stand there and like be weird. And that was kind of the start when I was like, this is like, maybe like there's something wrong with me. Like maybe I, like maybe there's something in my brain that's like fundamentally different because other people in my program were not like that. Yeah. Um, they still like had jobs and friends and like went out and I did not. I was just like weird. <laughs> um, and then after I finished grad school, I had what, so I've never had kids, so people with children, I'm sorry, but what I can only describe as like a postpartum depression, right? Because you worked on this project for, I worked on this project for almost two years, which is two human babies can be made in that time, right? And like, and then you're done and there's nothing. And like I had no goals, I had no job, like I had not, like all of a sudden there was just this nothing. And that was when I was really like, I think I might have to, like I think I might be depressed. Like I think something is really, really wrong. Wow. I've never thought about that, like how, especially graduate programs, I mean you are, you're making a baby at that point, you're spending two years, like your thesis is your baby. and. That's, that's crazy. I've never thought about it like that. 
it is real. It is so real. And I don't think I like put it in those words until I talked to a friend and he's like, oh yeah, the postgraduate school depression thing is real. Like this is really a thing that people go through. But then mine just like didn't go away. It just got like progressively worse. um, Until finally, I, I think my mom was like, I just want you to like, get your blood work done. Like, do it for me. Do it for Mother's Day. And I went to the doctor and he was like, sir, I have, I like talked to him and he's like, oh, I'll test your blood work, but I can tell you, kid, like, you've got anxiety and depression and like maybe some PTSD from like this one story you told me. It's like, I'll do your blood work, but like, I guarantee you, like, there is nothing like physically wrong. Which was nice to like finally put words to all of these things that I felt that I just thought like I was weird or like kind of coming undone. I gotta tell you, it would have been a lot easier to just like take a vitamin D pill or something, <laughs> like take some iron. It would have been a lot easier. <laughs> like, all right, I'm just gonna take this one pill. Everything's good. Like, yeah, reset. Yeah, my mom's like, you just need like more vitamin D. You need like an iron supplement. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like that's easy. That's an easy fix. Like, you need to get my blood work done. Can't I just go buy those? Like, right. Like this is common. Like, oh, maybe it's a thyroid issue. No, it was it was not that, not that that simple. But it was not that simple. I feel like, I feel like some physical ailments can be a little bit simpler than, um, you know, the invisible illness, because you have to do so much more work to get people to believe you and to get people to be like, oh, this is real. This is true. This is what you're feeling. You know, like I've heard so many stories of people can't get medication for their anxiety. But then at the same time, I have like therapists who are like, oh, here's, here's medication. Take all these pills and you'll be fine. And then I read them and it's like a blood pressure pill. And I'm like, how is that gonna do anything for my anxiety? Like, don't take if you have low blood pressure. Well, I do, so. (laughs) I think part of it too, I got lucky. And maybe that's because like, you know, I'm like financially stable and I'm white and I was much thinner when all of this was happening. And like, so maybe, maybe I have like a lot of pressures kind of like working in my favor because I didn't really have any problem getting medication, of getting one that worked, of like finding a therapist. Like I didn't really have as many obstacles in that way. Um, But I know a lot of other people like really do face those obstacles. Yeah. And it's like so crazy because it's so insane to think about how like me and you, we can go, we can go to a doctor, we can be like, this is what's going on. They're like, oh, you have anxiety, here's medication to help. But somebody else does the same thing and it's, they're just right. in this they're di- uh, they're discriminated against <laughs> i was trying to say right. prejudiced and discriminated at the same time and it failed <laughs> yeah i mean it's true and like even just the fact that i could go to a doctor is a privilege that a lot of people don't have yeah crazy all right so what was it like to start your business having this new knowledge about yourself um so I actually started the business when I was like very severely and deeply depressed. Um, I graduated into a recession and into budget cuts and hiring freezes. I had just moved across the country. 
I left my family, all my friends, like I'd broken up with my boyfriend. He had a new girlfriend, like, I don't know, like two days later or something silly. And so like my whole life was like falling apart. Um, and I started the business because I saw an opportunity. I was like, well, what did I like to do? Like if I can't work in history, if I can't get a job in this field, like what can I do and be happy doing? And that was when I landed on uh, working with young women. Like I remembered how much I liked it. I remembered that I was good at it, that it made me happy, that it was something I could do that I feel like made a difference. And so I was kind of like, well, if I'm not gonna get a job doing history, doing history, air quotes, uh, now, like I can do this other thing. Like I'm gonna do this in, in the meantime instead. And then I started building it and I was like, you know what, I'm, I do miss doing history sometimes, but like I'm not going back. <laughs> I'm not going back. I'm not actively, like I'm not looking for jobs. I am not going back to school. I'm not, no, like I'm not. I'm gonna do this. This is what I wanna do. This is what I like doing. And I'm gonna do Mr. Media. That's amazing. I love that. What uh, what made you decide to help teens versus um, you know, in the other age range? So this is again because I had worked with the middle school girls in the Young Women Leaders Program. Like I realized how much of a fair shake they did not get. Um, teen girls are like so written off as like silly and frivolous and just really dramatic and they're all boy crazy and they don't know anything about anything and when I worked with them it's like this is just not true like they are so smart they are so tuned in to what's going on like they are hilarious they're super creative they're really passionate and I stuck with that age group like middle school in particular because one that is like the hardest I feel like group of years for pretty much most pretty much everybody um and because they are at that age range that people are like shocked that i like to work with you know i gotta be a little different so people are like oh middle school like oh that's so hard I'm like no i love it send me all your middle school girls. like send them to me i love them i'll work with them we'll have a great time and then you're gonna feel really silly because we're gonna be having so much fun and you're gonna be like I'm gonna have fun. And like, no, you can't go away. Like, you're not invited to our clubhouse. Goodbye. <laughs> you're not invited. Like, no. Like, we're the babysitters club and you can't come in. Like, go away. <laughs> so, um, it's just really such a fun age. Like, I know it's it's difficult and it's a transition period for you and women, but I see it as being so full of potential and so much fun. And they're learning a lot and they like talk back to you and you can talk back to them. And it's like really fun. <laughs> it really is and they're at an age too where they still like they're still looking like they're still open to like your guidance and your validation and, and what you have to say and that's not to say that high schoolers aren't um I just think middle school is kind of like a magical age when all of those things are happening at the same time all the time I kind of want to work with middle schoolers now like I'm not gonna lie <laughs> it sounds like it's so much fun <laughs> They are super fun. There's like a funny story. Um, I was coaching a girls on the run middle school team and one of the girls 
would not tie her shoes. And you're like, honey, you have to tie your shoes. Like you're gonna trip and fall. Like it's bad for your feet, it's bad for your ankles. And one of the teachers tied her shoes for her. She's like, I'm gonna do it for you because like if you fall, like we have to fill out a lot of paperwork or something silly. Mm -hmm. And so the girl goes, oh my gosh, I cannot feel my feet. They're like so numb. And the teacher just goes, are, are you like really in pain? Or are you just being dramatic? And she goes, being dramatic. <laughs> and I was like, can you go be dramatic over there for a minute? And so I can finish like explaining what we're going to do. And when you're done, like you can come back and I'll explain it to you too. And she was like, yes. <laughs> she went off and like went and like, was whatever and came back and she was totally fine and i love that story i tell all the time because it's so like i think it sums up like what that experience is <laughs> i love it they're so full of surprises and like they're so funny in a way that they just do not get credit for yeah they're so awesome man now now i want to go start working with like teenagers again ah, it's so cool there you go no, you're just, you're going to convince everybody on this podcast. They're going to be like, all right, we're stopping everything. We're working with teenage girls now. This is that, like, shifting. Good. Good. They should, because every, pretty much every middle schooler, like, male or female or none of the above, could, like, probably use some guidance from a help that is not in their family. Yeah. So. I feel like they listen better, too, when it's not in their family. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just need to hear things. A different way or from yeah. a different source that's true so do you feel like you struggled with the most when you uh started your business oh my gosh it's always the imposter syndrome had it in grad school like my thesis was like nominated for an award and i'm still like oh, i don't know anything about history like i don't like don't ask me <laughs> like don't like and in starting a business too, like there's just, I very quickly like realized how much I did not know about running a business. And there's like a lot of imposter syndrome surrounding that and a lot of anxiety about like, what if this doesn't work? And then if it doesn't work, then comes like the depression of like, oh, well you suck and you're terrible and like, why are you doing this? And none of it matters and you should just really stop. Um, so it's kind of a cycle that I still struggle with. Um, it's a little bit better. Um, but a lot of therapy. So I kind of can tell more like when it's coming. And it's a little less like severe. That like depression kick of like when something doesn't go my way is it's like a little less severe and less long-lasting because I've gone to therapy. And I've been on medication and like I have more tools to handle it. But it doesn't go away. Like it's still there. You just learn how to navigate. Yeah. It's awesome. Obviously it didn't hold you back. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say that it doesn't or it didn't, because there's still things that I like will let my anxiety get the best of me. Like cold calls people were like oh you should just like make cold calls you should just go into businesses and talk to them and i would do one and i would come out of like this business where i'm like oh hi let me give you my car like maybe i can and i would come in my car and be like <laughs> like i ran a marathon like drenched with sweat and i'd be like okay good i did one that's that's it i'm done i can done for the day 
done for the day, done for the week. Like that was really, that was a lot. <laughs> so there are still times when I kind of uh, get in my own, get my own way a little bit. Do you still do the cold calling? Do you still like go up into the businesses and such? No. And part of that more recently is because of COVID. Uh, nothing's open. Um, we can't have any live events of more than like two people. And I have no desire to be in a room with people breathing all over me. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I know. I forgot about COVID. We even already talked about this and I already forgot about it. <laughs> I, it's been a whole thing. I've been doing things online and especially like I just did a poll and all the kids are like, I want a video series. It's like, okay. <laughs> Not because I don't think they're valuable or that I could do a good job. I just really miss doing things in person. Like, oh, I just wish we could like do this in in like in the same room. Yeah. I just wish I could like hug your little face. But I'm not going yeah. to because you're a kid and you're probably sick. No. <laughs> yeah, like I just don't want Yeah. No. I just I need a bubble. <laughs> it's but, scary, man. It is. So how did you manage your mental health? I know you mentioned um, therapy and medication, but I'm not sure if there was anything else that you might've done when you were kind of shifting from, you know, being in graduate school to jumping into this business and being an entrepreneur. Um, so before, before the therapy, before the diagnosis, before the medication, really what I did was, so I didn't sleep at all for like three months, four months. Six months. I don't know. I didn't sleep. Um, and I, because I'm like still involved in the heavy metal community, like I know a lot of people that tour for a living, or I did when we had tours. And so all my friends would come through town and I would just go and hang out with them. I'd be like, what are you doing? You're in town? Let's go to lunch. And, you know, they would be up at strange hours when I would be up because I didn't sleep. And so I would just talk to everybody, like anyone that would listen, um, anyone that I thought would care. And I would just talk to people. And it was pretty surprising, like actually how open and like receptive people were to talking. Even people that like I didn't consider close friends ended up becoming really close friends um, because of this like period in my life. Um, I would be up at three o'clock in the morning and they would be up at three o'clock in the morning and we would just like chat and I would go to shows and just like hang out with people and be like tell me like what's going on like my life is really boring and crappy like tell me what you're doing you're on tour every day like tell me tour stories and that was kind of like how <laughs> how I got by that's awesome and it was really like a supportive community for you yeah it's been like honestly you know, everything is changing and everything changes, but like that community is still like consistently one of the strongest support systems that I think I have outside of like, you know, my partner and my mom and my stepdad. Um, but outside of like that circle, like those people are still the people that I go to when something is amiss. Damn, that's awesome, man. That's really great that you have that community. It's great. I mean, it was weird at first, and I was like, I'm up at 3 a.m., like, maybe I can talk to you, like, I know you're busy, but, like, can we just, like, talk about, like, dogs, <laughs> like, cats, and, like, you know, like, <laughs> so, <laughs> I 
Yeah, and I, it was like a little like surprising, honestly, like how how good people were. That's great, man. So, what would you do differently, knowing what you do now, if anything at all? Oh my gosh. Um, Ah, he's not going to listen to this, so it's fine. When I moved to D.C. and I had broken up with said ex-boyfriend, who, like, we're friends now. It's it's fine. Like, him and my boyfriend are friends. I don't know. They all get along. I would have deleted his entire social media. I would have deleted him out of my existence. Um, that was a huge source of anxiety and upset for me. Um, I would have, my gosh, I would have gotten therapy, like, way sooner. It's so awesome. Everyone should go to therapy. <laughs> um, I would have, I would have done that like much sooner, and I would have. I'm trying to think of how to say this. I think I would have made better choices about the people I surrounded myself with because I was very lonely and upset. I would just kind of like take anyone in and let anyone in to my life, and like that is not necessarily the way to go like not all people are good people and not all people are people that you want around you ever like let alone when you are dealing with all the shit so i think i would have been a little more choosy with like my friendships yeah i mean your energy is sacred man you can't be just letting anybody in there <laughs> no but i was like oh well this person is like Oh, hey, you seem cool. It's like, yeah, come on in. I am cool. Come be my friend. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, you know, three months later, six months later, I'm like, actually, like, you are sucking out all of my energy. I'm like, you're not a good friend. Like, you don't listen. You don't, like, return calls. You're not cool. Like, I'm done. Yeah. And I could have saved myself a lot of heartache had I just, like, read the signs a little earlier. Yeah. I like that though that you're like pushing out toxic energy and just like all right bye I got and now I have no patience it's kind of like a running joke you're like you just don't like anyone I'm like no I like lots of people I just can see the like flags like yeah. like oh this person is really fake like they're super nice in front of you but like when you're looking the other way they're really horrible and so I have no time for that and I'm not going to pretend to like that person Nah, man, just close that door. <laughs> just, just shut it. Deformation like, snaps. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not saying like, oh, I'm gonna like go out of my way to be a jerk to that person, or I'm yeah. not gonna be mean. Like, I'm civil. I'm an adult. Like, I'm not going to chase friendships, and I'm not gonna chase people that are not good for me. Yeah, you don't need to let anybody into your space, and you don't mean about it either. So. I don't know. I'm not, like, I'm not mean about it. I'm just like, oh, cool. Like, hey, yeah, nice to see you. Okay, I'm going to go over here now. Like, have fun. Bye. <laughs> yeah, have you met my other friend? Come on. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, yeah, it's really nice to see you. I hope everything's going great. Uh, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Take care. Yeah, just seriously have to go to the bathroom, even though I just came out of there. It's totally cool. <laughs> totally cool. That's like, like some of the anxiety talking to is like the bathroom is a very sacred space. So if I'm like, oh, I need a minute, need a minute, Ooh, gotta go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> just hang out that there. Too. I'll, uh, I'll go to the bathroom and like if I feel a panic attack coming, I'm like, just go to the bathroom, breathe it out, sit in the stall. If anybody comes in, I like put my hand over my mouth, I'm like, they can't know you're in the bathroom like a normal human. <laughs> I, 
I do that like at conferences and stuff. I like a lot of my anxiety is like social and I don't like big crowds of strangers. So I'm like, oh, I'm at a conference. Oh, there's nowhere to go. Oh, people keep, oh, bathroom. <laughs> like, always a bathroom. <laughs> there is always a bathroom. Even if it's a porta potty, there's a bathroom. Hi. <laughs> okay. All right. So, <laughs> what was the breaking moment when you knew you had to do something differently? or you would never have that life that you wanted? There was a moment when, so silly too. I mean, there's a lot of moments, but like one that stands out was my, I really wanted to go to this concert. Like Andrew WK was playing and I'm not like a huge Andrew WK fan, but I'd never seen him. I really wanted to go. I was like, we're going. My boyfriend was like, we're going. And then my friend called me and she's like, yeah, I'm coming into DC, like, let's hang out and you can, can you pick us up from the airport? It's like, yeah, it's great. And I wrote it on the calendar wrong. They were actually coming in the day of the Andrew W. Cake concert. And when I realized that, I had like a total meltdown. I was like, this is not fair. Like, how can this happen? I had this plan, like everything was all laid out, just like that. And I flipped out and my boyfriend was like, you're overreacting. I was like, I am not overreacting. I am. Like, why did you do that? <laughs> and that was kind of one of the things that I was like, something's got to change. Like, this is really not a normal way to have handled this situation. Like, none of these things is really a big deal. And like, you need to go do something about it. Irritability, man. Like, I just realized the other day, like, a lot of people don't understand that irritability is actually a symptom of anxiety. Yeah, because you're, you're so, like, overwhelmed. Yeah, and you're so, like, on edge all the time that anything can be that thing where you're like, ah! <laughs> like, anything can be that table flip moment. And it doesn't make sense, right? It's not logical because anxiety is, like, not a logical thing. So, yeah, like for me, it was that my friends dared to come into town on the same day I had something else planned. It's like, how dare you? How <laughs> you monsters. Oh. <laughs> I did throw a pillow at my uh, fiance once when we were arguing, and it was over, I think it was over where we were going to go eat, of all things. And I just got angry, and I had a pillow, and I was, like, holding it, because I was like, I'm just going to hug a pillow, because I'm feeling unsafe right now, and then I just threw it towards him, and he was like, did you just throw a pillow at me because I'm trying to get you dinner? And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like you never, that's what I'm saying, like you never know like what the table flipping moment is going to be. And then you're like, and then you feel like, like I know I felt like really dumb and then you're like ashamed and then the depression comes back and then you're anxious again. It's like a whole thing. Yeah, it's it turns like a full spiral. It's like, oh, why is he with you? Like, you're crazy. You can't handle your emotions. It's like, cool. Yeah. That's what I needed today. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Where would you say um, you're at now with your mental health? Um, I'm better. I actually just am in the process of transitioning off of medication. Like, I just got off and I'm about to get on another one. So that's been both better or worse. <laughs> than I thought it would be. Um, in some ways it hasn't been as hard, but in other ways it's been challenging. Um, but it's good. Um, honestly, like the pandemic has been nice, which is awful to say, um, but I don't mind like being at home. 
Yeah. There's a lot of things I miss. Like there's stuff I miss, but there's like, I don't miss the constant pressure to be at things <laughs> all the time. Yeah, it's not, it's, and it's a good time to, um, if you're feeling like a lot safer right now, it is a really good time for you to like try to transition to a different medication if that's what aligns with you. Yeah, well, that was it too. I was like, I don't feel the social anxiety anymore. So, like, it's time to get off this, like, more for sure medication and try a different one that's like a little fuzzier, warmer and fuzzier. Yeah, warm and fuzzy medication. <laughs> like, yeah, just one that's not as, as you know, it's harsh. Like, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I wish you the best, man. I hope it works out for you. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> what would you say was the hardest part for you in managing your mental health? Um, I think my hardest part is not taking setbacks personally. Um, so like I just did a launch of a program and I worked really hard on it. And then like once and signed up and then I didn't end up like joining the program and no one joined the program and I was like, I'm just like a hack failure. Why am I doing this? And no, it's like, it wasn't about me. Like people didn't sign up because they like me personally. It's like, you know, we're in a pandemic and kids are in school or they're at home and like everything's kind of chaotic and nothing is normal. And like, I'm sure that's why people actually didn't sign up. But my initial response is you have done something wrong, um, which is not logical necessarily but that's like my first like that's really where I still struggle is either you've done something wrong and everything has to be perfect recovering perfectionist <laughs> yeah that is that is terrifying I, I felt that before the first thing I released that happened and I was like should I just like quit now like <laughs> yeah and now I just tell myself I'm like I know this seems really harsh. Like when I say it to other people, they think it's mean and it, I don't mean it that way. Like I find so much relief in knowing that whatever the first thing I put out, nobody's going to see it. Yeah. Like, Oh, I, I want to write a blog. Well, like 10 people are going to look at it. So like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. And for me, I think other people are like, what do you mean? No one's going to read it. I'm like, Oh, Okay. Well, I'm sorry that advice doesn't work for you. I find a lot of comfort in knowing that, you know, I can put it out there and then I can change it later. Yeah. Like you're not a multi-billion dollar corporation. Everybody's not watching your every move right now. So if you make right. a mistake, like who's going to see it? Your mom? Right. I mean, Disney Plus launched before they were ready and like they had all kinds of issues. So this was a good lesson from grad school, right? Like you can't turn in nothing. You have to turn in something. And then like, I think that was where I got this lesson. I was like, well, it doesn't matter if what I turn in is crap because they're just going to tell me like how to fix it. They're going to give me suggestions for how to edit and make it better. Yeah. So that like, that was a good takeaway uh, from grad school is that like, well, you can't, you can't edit a blank page. Like you can't publish a blank page. You can't change a blank page. So just, Put something on the damn page and then if it sucks like we'll get it there yeah we'll work with you that's yeah. a great that's actually like a really great mindset too i do i'm glad i'm not the only one that does that because i do that too i'm like no one's gonna see this it's fine <laughs> no 
I mean, I literally said that to a friend and he was like, how can you say that? No one's going to see this thing. And I was like, no, it's, I mean that in like a good way. Like it should be freeing. Yeah. Like just do whatever you want because no one's going to look at it. Yeah. Like your first time, no one's going to look at everything you do. They don't expect much from you. So. No, now like you're not Beyonce. Me. You're not Beyonce. So just do whatever you're going to do and go with it. I feel for her, man. Like, if she makes a mistake right now, the whole world knows. Oh, God, that's so much pressure. So much pressure. All right. So what was the biggest tip? What is your biggest tip for somebody going through the battle with mental health as well? What would you be your top thing? I totally butchered that question. That's okay. So my top advice, go to therapy. (laughs) Go to therapy. Go talk to someone. Like, you're not alone. You're not weird. You're not broken. You're not beyond repair. Like, mental health is very treatable. Uh, But in order to get treatment, you have to go and talk to somebody. Yeah. You have to take that first step. You have to, like, be vulnerable and be really brave and put yourself out there and you know, even if the first therapist doesn't work for you, that doesn't mean you won't find someone. You just have to, like, keep going. And I know it's, like, easier said than done, but it is absolutely worth it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Good. Good at therapy. It's great. Everyone yeah, man. Talk to somebody. All right. So you have an amazing ebook called the Unleash Your Girl Power ebook. I would love to hear more about that. Oh my gosh. So I, thank you for asking. I wrote the Unleash Your Girl Power ebook as kind of the guide to what I wish I had when I was a teenager. Um, And it's kind of the parts, like the parts of workshops that everyone seems to like the best. It's the kind of things that I hear about from young women that I work with that like things they wish they knew. So in typical Lindsay overdoes everything fashion, it is a lot. <laughs> um, it is a how to meet like mentor asking you all these pivotal questions, meets like life skills and advice, like all in one handy little ebook um, that is available. So I couldn't pick a lane, so I did all the lanes, and there's a lot in there, and it's really like geared towards helping young women like find their true self and to be content with who that person is that sounds amazing like that sounds exactly what I needed when I was like in middle school and high school right right I would have read the <laughs> shit out of that book I would have been like just holding it with me everywhere I go like I need this yeah <laughs> what does Lindsay say to do right now <laughs> yeah so it's a lot about like all this stuff that we teach now that we didn't teach like how can how do we manage our emotions like how can we be social and emotionally intelligent like how like what questions like what things do i really care about and what do i do with this passion that i feel about these things so it's very holistic very holistic approach and is it just for um teenagers or could like some like a millennial like a younger millennial find it and read it and I mean, the target audience and the language used in it is definitely geared towards teenagers, but I think anyone, any, any person who is struggling with this question of who am I, like, what do I care about, what's my place in the world, um, I think anyone, anyone who's young at heart who's having those kind of questions can find benefit from it. 
Hell yes. And you said it was huge. How big is it? How many pages? Um, I trimmed it down. <laughs> I think it's like 50 something pages. Oh, damn. Hell yeah. That's like a huge, huge thing, man. Yeah. This is what I do. My master's thesis is like 175 pages. So I just like, I don't know when to stop. Like this, is, <laughs> it's everybody's benefit. So like everybody yeah. benefits when I make something because it's like super complete. Hell yeah. All right. So Lindsay's over delivering with this bomb ass book called The Unleash Your Girl Power. Where can they get it? Um, so it's available. You can go to misheardmedia.com and you can find the ebook there. It's in the Shopify store. Um, she has like a really weird website address with dashes. So just go to the misheardmedia.com website um, and you can follow the link. Too. Yeah, and just give me the address too. I'll put it in the show notes so that way they can find it and they can just I, click. I will. I will give you the direct link because it is very long. <laughs> and it's um Miss as in M I S S. Very M I S S H E A R D. Play on words. <laughs> All right. So that was Lindsay. And if you guys have any further questions, you can find her at Miss Heard Media on Instagram. Correct. Miss Yes, Mr. at Misheard Media on Instagram and Facebook and all places where you do your social media thing. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh, this was so much fun. I'm so glad we did this. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. For more bomb ass content, follow me on Instagram at First Steps to Sanity or leave me a review and let me know what your favorite part was. I can't wait to see you guys next week. Bye.